Thank you for tuning in. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Writing Wrong Decisions. Writing Wrong Decisions. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus told a story. He said there was a father with two sons. The youngest son came to him and said, I want my share of the estate now before you die. The father agreed and gave him half of the estate. He gave the younger son half and he gave his older son half. The Bible says that just a few days later, the younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his wealth on wild living. On wild living. It's fascinating how like a fisherman, Satan shows the bait but hides the hook. Have you noticed that? He shows the good time. He shows the pleasure of sin, but he doesn't ever show the consequences. Pleasure for a sin lasts for moments. The consequences can last for years. It's fascinating how everybody talks about the good times in Vegas, but they never talk about the consequences of Vegas. We see in the commercials people stacking chips and having fun in the casino. We never hear how much they've lost. Are you with me? Say yes. Let me hear you. Shout yes. We never hear the other side. It's fascinating on how that happens. It's fascinating how people will look and see that God and holiness is one option and living for selfish and worldly desires and pleasures is another option. And it's interesting on how many see what the world has to offer with glitter and gold dust on it, but they look at the option of holiness as if it is dirty rags. Un, un, undesirable. No thank you. I want to have fun. It's interesting on how that happens. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm staggered by how experience shakes its head at inexperience. Are you with me? Anyone older than 25 years old that can say, you're talking about something good. <laughs> See, when you're young, you say things to a 16-year-old kids will say, I don't know what I'm going to do. My boyfriend just broke up with me. My whole life is over. And we look at the 16-year-old and go, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Are you with me? Say yes. How many of us have seen teenagers freak out over things and you're like, trust me, it's going to be okay. No, it's not. It's going to be okay. Experience shakes its head at inexperience. There's not too many things in the world I hate more than 
being behind a car that has a bumper sticker on it that says driver education. I go nuts when I get behind a car of someone who's learning how to drive. They come to a complete stop in places that they do not need to come to a complete stop on. When they're at a stop sign and they're going to take a right turn, they wait till they cannot see a car with a telescope before they take their right turn. It drives me absolutely crazy that their inexperience is putting me out. I have learned to keep my big mouth shut when I am behind someone like that. Because what ends up happening is that I'll find myself like the young man who went off to do wild living. There was separation between him and the father when he was doing his wild living. I've noticed that my intimacy with God seems to be interrupted when I'm yelling at the person who's driving too slow. Move that piece of junk! I don't care if they're driving a Ferrari. It's a piece of junk if they're driving too slow. Are you with me? Say yes. I don't care. You're too slow. Get out of the way! It's it's an interruption of the intimacy between the son and the father when there's too much distance. And distance can be created. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not saying that all of a sudden someone's going to get thrown into hell if they yell at the car in front of them. I'm just saying it's really hard to pray and worship God while you're yelling at someone. Uh, When Jesus was baptized, it talks about how the dove of the Holy Spirit came down and it rested upon him. When the presence of the Lord comes upon you, the Bible says that it rests upon you. In Luke 24, 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you are endowed with power. Acts 1, 8. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you shall have power. The presence of God is in you for your sake. It's upon you for the sake of others. And so when the, when the dove of the Holy Spirit is resting upon you, think about it like a real physical dove. If there was a dove on my shoulder and I wanted to walk from one side of the room to the other side of the room and I did not want the dove to fly off, how would I walk? Well, you know the answer. Every step I take would be with the dove in mind. When I'm behind the defensive driver, every word I take is with the dove in mind. In my most mature moments, when I'm in an argument with my wife, I ask myself, do I really want to fight over this? Because I know after...
afterwards, I'm going to have to say to the Lord, I didn't treat her the way you wanted me to treat her. Now I got to go back and apologize to God. I'll go say to Allie, Allie, I didn't mean any of those things. I'm really sorry. Because I want to feel the intimacy with him. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And so he says, the young man says, this is not worth it anymore. I have royally messed up. I'm going to go back to the father. I'm going to go back to the father and I'm going to tell him I have sinned against you and heaven. This is an unpopular message, by the way. Nobody wants to apologize for anything anymore. Have you noticed that? Like the word I'm sorry is so hard to hear these days. People don't want to say sorry to each other. People are offended constantly. We would be less offended if we gave more apologies. Are you with me? Say yes. But what we want, the kind of relationship that we want with God is I want to live any way I want to live and I want you to be okay with it. And that is a personal worldview. These kind of people have zero scriptures to support their belief. Zero. So he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to apologize to the Father. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1, Paul says this. He goes, what are we going to continue to live in sin? He goes, of course not. Are we going to continue to live in sin so that we can experience more and more of God's wonderful grace? Because so many people are saying, I can live the way I want to live because God is a God full of grace. Where does that say that in the Bible? Well, it's just what I believe. Of course it's what you believe. Because in Romans chapter 6 it says, do not continue to live in sin so that you can experience more and more of God's wonderful grace. For you were once dead. Are you now going to continue to live in sin? That's what the Bible says. It's usually... The people who disagree with that have no scriptures. None. If you disagree with that and you say, this will be the last time I'm in this church, I have great news for you. There are 73 churches in the woodlands. You have other options. You have them. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, it says many people will have a form of godliness, but they will forsake the power that could truly make them godly, have nothing to do with these people. Nothing to do with these people. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners, yes, with a purpose. And then they had to decide whether or not they wanted to hang out with him. Jesus sat down and had dinner with them and shared the option with them and then backed up and walked off and looked over his shoulder and said, are you coming? Some did and some did not. Some people love the pleasure of sin. They love it too much. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, it says this, Do not let any part of your body, not your eyes, not your face, not your words, not your voice, not everything that's going on here. 
<laughs> Actions say so much louder than words. Do not let it be an instrument to serve evil. For you were once dead, now you're a new creation, so stop backing it up. And use your whole body as an instrument to bring glory to God. To bring glory to God. Uh, I, I use musicians as an example in the first service because it was so easy to do. And then I got halfway through it and I was like, okay, this feels awkward. I don't know if I want to do this again. But I've, I've, I've already done it, so I might as well do it again. The musicians on this stage, when they worship, they are using their voice as an instrument. As an instrument. What are they doing? They're using their skills and their talents and their gifts as an instrument. To do what? In Psalms chapter 22 verse 3. It says that I abide in the presence and the praises of my people. We bring this team on the stage to say. Create an atmosphere where the Lord is welcome. So that we can worship God. We can't sing like you. We can't play like you. But would you sing and would you play so that we can meet with the Lord? And for that, what do we say to them? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have great friends of mine. They create a different atmosphere. And I thank them for it. You can go to some of these white tablecloth steak restaurants. And they create a different atmosphere. It's, it's like a, a posh atmosphere. Uh, I, I don't have the words for it. It's elegant. Elegante. Estudio Espanol. Elegante. How do you say be patient with me? Be, uh, con mi, pasento con mi? Pasento? Not even close. All right. But there's, <laughs> there, there's, there's a, an, a, a, what, what word you use? An elegant atmosphere that they, an, elegant atmosphere. And when my friends are playing at these elegant steakhouses, restaurants, uh, I'll stick money and say, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I encourage you to do the same. They're making a living. Thank you. But then there are other musicians that I used to see when I was like 17, 18, 19 years old, when I was a child. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I'd come into nightclubs and it wasn't an elegant atmosphere. It, it wasn't the spirit of the Lord atmosphere. They weren't singing praise and worship songs because they praise and worship songs don't belong in that atmosphere. Very fascinating. Their goal and intent is to create a party. 
Uh, the, the owner of the nightclub wants a cocktail in their hand every second they're there. They want uh, conversations, a flirtatious atmosphere where one person gets to know another person. And who knows what happens after that? It's none of our business. But we want to create that atmosphere. It's, it's let's sell sexy. Let's sell flirty. Let's sell it. And, and we gotta find a musician that'll create that atmosphere. Do you know any? I can do, I can create, I know the atmosphere you want and I can do it. It's not the spirit of the Lord. It's not elegancy. It's a party. It's a party. I can do that. It's an instrument. The, the, the second son, the second son said, I'm sorry for my wild living. I will not use my, my body as an instrument for anything other than you. I, I, I give you an example. I, about six years, seven years ago, I, I bought a pickup truck and uh, I wanted to put rims and tires and raise it up so I could look like I was more of a man than what I really am. And, and, and so I, I went to go get it and, and uh, I, was, I did a Google search. I was like rims, tires, lift on a truck. And this, this website came up and so I called the guy, I emailed the guy and I was like, okay, great, this is my guy. So I drove to his place. I got there. I'm already committed to him. Uh, I didn't give him any money yet, obviously, but I'm committed. He's expecting me at a certain time. I show up. I walk in, and I'm like, okie dokie. There's like posters on the walls of like girls in bikinis. And I'm like, okay, I thought this was like a truck lift place. The people that were dressed there were dressed a little bit more than the girls in the bikinis, but not by much. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not here to preach to you guys. I just want wheels and rims. I give them my credit card and I leave. I come back a few hours later. Truck is actually a few days later. It took a while. I got back. And the the guy said, hey, I, I did a Google search on you. You looked familiar. It's interesting how you guys are laughing. He goes, because you're laughing makes my point before I get there. It's the, it's the, the common belief that we're starting to mix oil and water here. It's the common belief. That's why you're laughing. It's the common belief. And so he says, I, I have a deal for you. Uh, I'll tell you what, you have a gift for speaking. Of course, I'm thinking to myself, I put more people to sleep than what you realize. So (laughs) he goes, but you have a gift for speaking. He goes, I'll tell you what, let me put you on my website, a video where you welcome people and you tell them how good of a job we do. And for every person that comes in, I'll give you a kickback. I said, oh, really? I said, uh, you, you are right. The Lord has blessed me, but that's not my thing. Thank you, though. I walked out and I got to thinking to myself, God gave me a gift, but I've given him exclusivity on the gift. Uh, I'm using it 
I'm using it for him and only him. I, I, I'm not like open for sale. If imagine you wanted rims on your car, like a like a, like spinners or something. And you did a Google search and, and, and then that website came up and you saw me going, come on, come get some spinners and rims just for you. If you call now, we'll give you one extra, you know, three for free or something like that. I don't know. And then you get there and you walk in and you see, oh my goodness, this doesn't look like Celebration Church at all. <laughs> and then you come up to me in the lobby and you're like, so, uh, saw ya. Saya? Oh, where? Well, uh, I went to this Rims place and it was really strange. I was surprised to see you. Hey, I know it looks a little different, but the money's good. The money's good. I'm just doing it for the money. How's that feel? You know and I know. You know and I know. You don't even care how much money he's given me. Do you? You don't even care. You're not even wondering. You got there before me. You started laughing. There's no amount of money. That I would use myself as an instrument to create an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit is not welcome in. It's just not welcome. And so, how does the Father respond? Because this is not a small mistake. This is a colossal mistake. Listen to me carefully because all of us say things and do things on a regular basis where we back up and we go, I don't, uh, God, I'm sorry. Which, by the way, just saying I'm sorry sparks something in God. It sparks something in God. Have you ever looked at somebody and just say, just say I'm sorry and we're good? Have you ever thought, just say I'm sorry and we're good? Well, I would say, and then they say, I'm sorry, but you shouldn't. No, 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 no. No buts allowed. Not going to chase that rabbit. (laughs) Just say I'm sorry. And we're good. He comes back to the father and he says, I'm sorry. And the father goes, don't talk anymore. Hey! I need a new robe. Look how he's dressed. This is my son. This is my daughter. Look how he's dressed. Put a robe. What is the significance of the robe? To remind the son who you are. To remind you who you are. Sometimes when you're not in the presence of God for a while, you forget who you are. Sometimes you're not even sinning. You're just working hard. You're trying. It's just life is hard. Let me just tell you, if you came in here and you're just like, life is hard. I'm not out wild living, Frankie, like what you're talking about. I'm just telling you, life is hard. Well, now you're in my boat right now. 
Life is hard, but don't forget who you are. Life is hard, but don't forget who you are. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. You don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter. Didn't you just hear the last 21 minutes? It doesn't matter. You come in, you say, I'm sorry. All right, son, remember who you are. John 8, 44 says, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for Satan is a liar and the father of lies. If your thought makes you think less of yourself, if your thought causes you to feel depressed, if your thought makes you feel less hopeful, it is from the father of lies. So he says, put, put the coat on him. And then he says, give him a ring. This is very important. I could preach a whole message just on the ring. Because the signet ring, you guys have all seen movies or paintings or read books. The the signet ring is when they take the ring and they dip it in ink and then they put it on a document. It's like a seal of authority. It says, give him the ring. You say to yourself, you would give a ring? To someone who was swallowed up in sin. And the father would say. What sin? We've already gone over that. That's all gone. I don't even know what you're talking about. This is my son. This is my daughter. Your voice. Your countenance. Is so anointed and authoritative. When you speak to somebody, you have the power to lift them up or tear them down. That's the authority that he's given you. And then he says, put sandals on his feet. The significance of the sandals is we're going places. We are going places. I just want you to know you're a daughter of God. You're a child of God. He's put authority in your voice and he is taking you places. Do you receive that? Put your hands together. He's taking you places. Every time you pray. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 it says never stop praying. Every time you pray. Your spiritual muscles get stronger and stronger. The more you pray, the more you want to pray. The less you pray, the less you want to pray. People who don't pray are experts at criticizing people who do pray. Will somebody tweet that? Don't put my name on it. Put John's name on it. (laughs) People who do not pray are experts at criticizing people who do pray. But when you look into their life, you go, I don't think I want advice from you. Are you with me? Say yes. Yes. The anointing that's on your life is not for you to get saved. I've never had this thought until just now. The anointing on your life is not for you to be saved. The blood of Jesus on your life has already taken care of that. The anointing on your life is to help others be saved. For those 
in the room who say, that sounds eloquent and you're waxing eloquent, but I have no idea what anointing is. The best way for me to describe what anointing is, is to describe what it does. I wish I would have thought of this earlier because it's better than my sermon, but it's just coming to me now. So let me start it again. The best way to describe what anointing is, is to describe what it does. In Isaiah 27 verse 10, it says what it does. It says the yoke on a person's life is destroyed by the anointing oil. Your anointing is your God-given ability for God to use you with your words, your expression, your actions, your presence to break the anointing off someone's, the, the yoke off of someone's life. It is sad to see when someone does not value the anointing because they've had it for so long now it's just a gift value the anointing say so i don't know if i have an anointing does anybody listen to you? Do people come to you with questions? Do people want to be around you for any reason at all? Is there anyone on the planet who listens to your words? If the answer is yes, the Lord has given you influence. You may not know the power of that influence, but you have influence. Your ability to influence is an indication that he has anointed you. He would not give you gifts. Let me back up. He would not put you in a position of influence if you did not have the gifts and ability to influence. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. All of you are anointed. It's the devil's plan of attack. To distract you and discourage you. If he can keep you discouraged and distracted. And like for others, the prodigal son enamored. Then he can keep you from taking your anointing serious. 
And then you don't even notice the influence that you have anymore. Because it's been with you for so long. Do you know what you call that? It's a familiar spirit. Because you're so familiar with your anointing. And you're so familiar with your surrounding. And you're so familiar with your influence. That you no longer take it serious. It's a familiar spirit. You've had the influence for so long. You've had the gifts for so long. You've had the position for so long that the familiar spirit has made you so familiar with it that you no longer value it and hardly recognize it. And then when people tell you, you're anointed. Ah. When I hear, ah, I feel like saying, familiar spirit, get out of here in the name of Jesus. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. If you, if you don't hear anything else that I have to say today, hear me say this. You are anointed. You are anointed by God. If I were to step, listen to this. If I were to step into your world, I would not be as effective as you are in your world. People would not listen to me the way they listen to you. I know this because I did a wedding in someone's backyard and there was nobody that was a Christian, not one Christian, 200 people. And I showed up and no one would listen. And I realized at that moment, when I step out of my circle, my anointing carries no weight. When I'm in my circle, my anointing carries weight. Your anointing in your circle carries weight that no one else has. If you had the ability to elbow someone and say, go say what I want to say, they might say it, but it won't have an impact. You have an anointing that breaks the yoke. And every time you pray, it gets stronger and stronger. Would you all stand your feet for me, please? Actually, I'm sorry. I got to share a testimony. I'm sorry. I chased rabbits. Sit back down. <laughs> there was such an awesome. I'll get you out of here. I know I'm over time. Look, look, my, my clock says negative 10, 15. I'm way over time. I'm sorry. But God did something so cool. I got to share it with you. Take a look at this. About six months ago, I started losing my vision in both eyes. Um, I noticed it like looking at my phone. And it would just get kind of blurry, like looking at my phone for long periods of time. And then I noticed if the lights weren't on um, in a room bright enough that I would be having an even harder time seeing. Um, and so as it kept going, um, you know, kept declining, I 
was noticing it more and it was really freaking me out, but I didn't really tell anybody. Um, so I had prayed about it and not really had um, any changes. Uh, two Sundays ago, Pastor Frankie was on stage and he was preaching and while he was walking back and forth, he was just getting more blurry. And I was just thinking, man, this is getting really bad. I think I'm gonna have to get glasses and I'm gonna have to tell somebody because this is I can barely function now. And then Pastor Frankie said, no prayer partners today. And I'm a prayer partner, so I usually go up to pray for other people. And he said, no prayer partners today. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit move. So I want you to just tell the Holy Spirit what you really need. And there were like three things that I was like kind of rolodexing in my mind. Like, I really need all three of these, Lord. What, which one do I go for? And I closed my eyes. And then I opened my eyes and looked at the screen. And the title of the message that Sunday was Fascinating, Unpredictable Provision. And when I looked at the screen, the word vision was like clear as day, everything around it completely blurry. And I was like, okay, Lord, let's go for vision. And as soon as I came into agreement with that, I felt like ice water, like shoot up in my veins, like from the tips of my fingers, like up my arms. And then my eyes got really cold and I just kept my eyes closed. And I was like, I'm just going to keep my eyes closed until you're done, Lord. And so I just... I enjoyed it, you know, just kind of appreciated it. And then um, I opened my eyes and everything was like perfectly clear. So Monday, you know, I was looking at my phone. I like turned the lights off in my classroom and was trying to look at stuff. And they've been perfect ever since. Why don't you all stand to your feet? If you're new here, you just need to know this. Priority number one at our church is to get every single person who has been distracted by the things of this world and has not been pursuing the Lord to rededicate their life to Him. That's priority one. But priority two is for the presence of God to move in a way that his manifestation is obvious. It's not just a belief. It's obvious. One of the easiest ways for God to manifest himself for everyone to see is through a physical healing because She couldn't see well, and now she does. A person with cancer had cancer, but now they don't. Everyone is able to see the presence of God. So every Sunday, we go for healing so that everyone can see the presence of God. I'd like our prayer partners to come down, if they would, throughout the room. If you're in this room and I I was talking to you because your whole life is or the your recently your life has been an instrument to serve evil and you're like this is the last day that happens I'm going to follow him with my whole heart if that's you In a moment, I want you to come out of your seat and take the hand of a prayer partner. Let them pray with you. The moment you agree with them, 
The Bible says in Psalms 56, 9, the tide of the battle turns. Some of you that need a healing in your marriage, no message I have to give you can heal your marriage. But the Spirit of the Lord can do it in a moment. Financial doors and opportunities and new relationships. He can do it in a moment. If you need a healing in your body, he can do it in a moment. While I was worshiping, this thought crossed my mind. And if it was not God, we're going to find out right now. And I'll have to look at everybody and say, I'm sorry. I thought it was God and it wasn't. But I felt like the Lord wanted to heal somebody with an irregular heartbeat. And also someone who's having respiratory breathing, you're having a hard time breathing. If that's, oh, in skin, either it's been a lifelong battle or it's just been here recently where you're just, your skin you don't know what it is. It could be eczema. It could be like something's wrong. If you're in any one of those three, would you come down right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to interview you. The room is dark. No one can even see you. But just come down and just stand right here so that I can I can pray with you. Um, I see several people coming down. That I just want you to know how a word of a knowledge works. A prophetic word is when the Lord shares what he's going to do. A word of knowledge is what he's going to do right now. I cannot believe there's this many people. Just, I can't wait for this. You get, you have to come. I'm sorry, my brain just went so many different directions. I pray for these moments, and so it makes me so excited because I pray for them. The worship team is going to sing. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let me just ask you, let's sing at least one or two times through together before anyone goes. I love you all so much.